As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. As Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, hello there. And many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Obi-Wan Kenobi said so many things. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. Welcome to Favorite Points of View. This show is a part of the Four Center podcast feed. And here on Four Center, we like to celebrate Star Wars. And here with me to celebrate all these different points of views is Ken Nabsock. Oh, man, this is thrilling. I've never been on this uh, show in our in our uh, Pantheon uh, collection of shows here. Uh, no, this is great. Love celebrating Star Wars as we always do here, but this is a pretty specific take on it. Uh, and uh, Thanks for having me, sir. Yeah, no, I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, for people who are maybe listening uh, for the first time, I've done, this is our sixth episode of Favorite Points of View, and it's something where I had been uh, doing by myself, uh, been collecting different uh ideas from different uh, listeners. So uh, put out a topic of tell me your favorite something in Star Wars and then really tell me why, you know, is it because you were born in that era? Is it because you have a personal life connection to it? And really trying to celebrate this idea that we all have different favorites and there's usually a reason why. And if we can really hear that reason why and understand, even if you're, you're going to be like, I'm never going to be super into Boba Fett or I'm never going to be super into Jango Fett. It's so powerful and so great to hear uh, from another fan. What was their life experience and why does that character mean so much to him? And I, I think it's just a great way to help us all celebrate Star Wars and celebrate uh, one another's fandom in Star Wars. So we're going to do that again today. And I'm excited to have you here again, because after we read each of these uh, submissions from listeners, you and I can talk a little bit about how uh, their point of view affects us. 
Yeah. And you kind of said it there, just, just being able to hear from other people, learn from other people, but just start with the hearing, start with the listening of, of other people's experiences with growing up. I, I had, I had it easy and I, I connected with Han and that's been there from the beginning. But one of the things that I love about the Disney era is being able to connect with these characters that I think I normally wouldn't have, uh, you know, years ago, or just wouldn't have thought to connect on a level where I can draw inspirations from these characters and their journeys, even though they're not beat by beat mine. And that just makes the galaxy more robust. And that comes from, from hearing fans from all the walks of life, uh, sharing their stories. Yeah. Yeah. And we always get uh, great stories. So we're going to dive in here. The topic for this episode that uh, that I asked listeners to share about is uh, relatable Star Wars characters. Uh, Ken and I did a big episode about seeing yourself in Star Wars. And in that episode of the sort of deep dive main show, we talked a lot about that deep sort of instinctual reaction you have when you literally physically see someone who looks like you on screen. I had a big, strong reaction when I was a incredibly skinny little blonde kid to seeing skinny little blonde young Luke Skywalker, and I felt this deep affinity. But as you're saying, there's also this just much larger seeing ourselves in a character's uh, journey, in a character's emotional attitude or perspective or the specific challenges. So there's lots of different ways to see yourself. It can be this literal, physical, uh, kind of instinctive connection to somebody who looks like you. Mm. But it can also be this idea where we connect to any part of it, uh, any part of the character's journey, uh, regardless of that uh, direct relationship and more about that uh, emotional one. And I was really interested if we just threw it open to some of our patrons on Patreon, how they would respond, how much of it would be about what was the age when I saw that character, how much of it would be about I really connect with that character's journey or that character's personality or that character's physicality. And we got a lot of different interesting answers. So, Ken, are you ready to dive into our first one? Let's find out these points of view. Excellent. Uh, our first one comes from Adam Knight. Here is what Adam has to say. I threw this prompt up and Adam said, well, maybe I'll go first. Well, I'm definitely of an age where I've known Star Wars for literally every year of my life, 43, I find myself repeatedly drawn back to the sexy Irish swagger of Liam Neeson's portrayal of Qui-Gon Jinn in The Phantom Menace. Upon first viewing and second viewing, both opening day in 1999, humble brag, I've been unquestionably drawn to that tall, calm presence, the one who, despite the challenges and demands of Jedi Council, found ways to follow the will of the Force in his own ways. As his Padawan says in The Phantom Menace, if only you'd go along with them more often, you'd be on the council by now. And that has always struck me in a very powerful way. For here was a man, a Jedi, a calm soul, who knew the benefit of his own path and that no one but he could walk it or tell him how to do so. Now with that said, as I've gotten older and now find myself of an age with Qui-Gon, I see in myself many similarities that I've consciously and unconsciously imitated. Much like the actor, I am a very large man, 6'5", who favors long, glorious hair and a top nut uh, or samurai influence. And that beard, sorry, uh, distracted. Also, more truthfully, I now find myself in life being the one who has polite disagreements with authority, not being willing to go along to get along if that means something isn't right or fair. And also, on more than one occasion, as a particularly stressful situation has come about, I too have taken a moment to step back gather my thoughts, and just breathe. 
just breathe before reigniting my blade and swinging back into the fight. Joseph, Ken, Jennifer, I love the podcast and listen to every episode, even the databank brawl ones. Thanks for helping me celebrate Star Wars in a way that I didn't even realize I was missing out on. May the force be with you. Wow, Adam, that is great. Thank you so much. Those are connections there that are both a reflection of your physical self and your emotional self and the evolution of yourself. That is great. Ken, what speaks to you in Adam's uh, connection to Qui-Gon Jinn? I I think it is uh, uh, what I love is in 99, he connects with with Qui-Gon and and, and he talks about just unconsciously connecting on on a level. And I think I have some some of that with Han, but that, that, that Qui-Gon, he grows up with Qui-Gon and then suddenly finding yourself kind of in the same age range as Qui-Gon back in the day, you start to see what he did back then in a new light. And, and, uh, and you look, I wish I could still grow long, glorious hair too. So that spoke to me as well. <laughs> um, so why, while there is some immediate connection in terms of size and appearance too, as Adam's talking about, it's along the way, I think looking at, um, how it applies now, how you, you know, Adam's around my age. So you're, you're old enough, early twenties and 99, but you're not fully formed. You're not fully formed yet, even with some experiences, but to look back now and go, Oh, that's what that meant. That's what that line. Obi-Wan's basically saying you could get the promotion you wanted. If you just, if you just kind of went against your, your instincts and your heart and your soul and how now that has more value for, for Adam here as a Qui-Gon fan than it did even back then. That's the kind of stuff I'd love to see. Yeah, yeah. I think what Adam is, is really capturing for me is what's so great about the character of Qui-Gon and just comes across without being too heavy-handed in The Phantom Menace of that he is just somebody who is uh, following his own path. And I think sometimes in pop culture when we say that, that means... He breaks the rules. He goes rogue. He knows that somebody's ass needs to be kicked. So he's going to go in there. And, and that's a great story. And that's an interesting story. But that's not Qui-Gon. That is, I'm really, really clear on my path. It is the path of light. It is uh, not being too consumed with fate or destiny. or But, you know, being really valuing the present and the now. But then when I encounter something that is of destiny, then and I believe that and I see that, then I embrace it. And it, it all goes to this great, like, it's it's not like he's just like, I throw my badge down on the desk of the yeah. Jedi sergeants, right? He probably goes along with the council great when they get along, but when they diverge, he diverges in the calmness. It's not a fight, right? It's just a, oh, you want me to go over there? Uh, no offense, but I can't. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> and that's inspiring, that idea that we can have different paths, we can disagree and that that's that power of the light to say, I need to go over here. I'm not going to have a long fight with you in the Facebook comment threads about it, you know, metaphorically. I'm just going to do uh, what I need to do. And it doesn't need to be this big disagreement. I'm just going to follow my path. That comes from being real centered and just being in connect in connection with who you are, who you want to be. Uh, and, and I think a lot of Jedi might have that. But Qui-Gon, all through Phantom Menace, absolutely knows who he is. Yeah, yeah, and I love how Adam is uh, connecting that to. We can all all have that wisdom, but sometimes that's wisdom that comes with lived experience. That comes with that realization of, oh, I didn't need to have that big fight. I could have just said no thanks and gone over there. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. that is the act, you know, the better way, you know. And you starts to really get into lots of great stuff there about uh, 
about the Jedi's flaws during that era and how, how Qui-Gon might have sidestepped them by saying, no thanks, I'm not going to fight. No thanks. Yeah. No thanks. All right. Any other thoughts, Ken, before we move on? Uh, no, other than, yeah, Qui-Gon, man. Tall, dark, Irish, and sexy. Just <laughs> ask me, but uh, ask a lot of fans, including Adam. Thanks for that one, Adam. Yeah, nothing like calm Irish space swagger. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, Ken, why don't you tell us who the next person is sharing and go ahead and read their point of view. Happy. I think uh, Irish swagger is a drink, right? Tall, uh, <laughs> Uh, Our next uh, point of view comes from Aaron Thompson. Aaron writes, This wasn't an immediate relation for me to have with this certain character, but over time, many life experiences have shown me a connection with me and Cal Kestis. I'm uh, I'm born and raised in Montana, in a place about as uh, basic and uniform as you could imagine. But my parents were incredibly cultural. I grew up Russian Orthodox, and my parents sponsored multiple foreign exchange students who lived in our household, people from different parts of China and symphony players from Kiev, uh, to name a few. Hey, Kiev is uh, Kiev uh, is where my grandmother's from. Hmm. That's me. Ken Hapsack saying that. Aaron didn't write that. Uh, Aaron goes on to write, I was surrounded by culture. My dad loved listening to cultural music and was always cooking incredible food from uh, Taiwanese to Indian to Greek to Mexican. From my life experience, being different wasn't a defect. It was a feature. Being from a different culture or people usually meant your food was tastier than the burger joint hmm. down the road. This brings me to me. For many years, from first to fifth grade, I got made fun of endlessly. The kids in my school kept calling me Ginger. I didn't know what this meant. I've eaten plenty of sushi in my time, and Ginger's yellow and often delicious. (laughs) But relentlessly, they called me names. I thought it was something I did or wasn't doing correctly. I tried so hard to fit in, but all they would do is make fun of me and call me Ginger. This was news to me. I didn't know that a difference in color would be worthy of years of name calling, but I grew to ignore it, even though it truly did hurt. Suicidal thoughts were frequent, but not serious. All I wanted was to fit in. But no matter what I did, my looks dictated how I was treated. Now, skipping to current times, Jedi Fallen Order was announced and released. I didn't look at Cal and say, hey, he's a redhead just like me. I relate to him. It was much slower, but I can't deny it. The fact that he looks like me totally made me relate to him over time. It's powerful to see yourself represented. It does matter. I bought a six-inch Black Series figure. I play I played through the game twice or four times and became very attached to the overall vibe of the game. I love the music. I love Eno Cordova. I love the Zepho culture. But the game has found its way into my daily life. I'll give an example. Uh, I recently bought a VR headset in anticipation for Squadrons and finally got to experience Vader Immortal. It's a 10 out of 10 experience, truly immersive. But I found myself in the lightsaber dojo, completing waves of increasingly more difficult challenges. I tried to play accurately, swinging the lightsaber as if it's heavy and twirling it between blaster bolts. Then came a round that I just couldn't accomplish. I couldn't even get half the points needed to continue. I tried almost 10 times and was tired and out of breath. That's when I heard Cal's master, Yaro Tapal, clearly, uh, clear as a day in my head, saying, trust only in the force. I took a deep breath and said aloud, Yes, Master. I switched off my lightsaber, clipped it to my belt, using only the force with both hands, no weapons. I completed the round on my first try. It was so powerful for me to experience. I wasn't watching the scoreboard and had my doubts this new approach would work, but I trusted this advice and gave it my all. This is why I love Star Wars. It's for the philosophical messages, for the wide array of species to relate to, for the music, for the experiences, and most importantly, the discussions created by this mystical galaxy. There you go, Aaron. A lot of great things in there, including I just want to see a 
I want to see Aaron compete, completing his level with his hands. That's <laughs> that's exciting. That's inspiring for a VR noob like myself. Uh, Joseph, a lot of great things in here. What speaks to you? Yeah, no, the, just hearing the the ginger thing is great in having that uh, sneak up uh, in not having that be something that Aaron was initially realizing was making this connection. Uh, that speaks to me. Uh, the experiences that uh, Aaron had growing up, uh, seeing all of these different uh, cultures as something that's great to encounter. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, and I think there's just something powerful about Jedi Fallen Order, because it keeps coming up. And we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about um, the things we really like. Uh, we've, we've fretted a little bit about the the gameplay and the uh, the possibilities of falling off things and the <laughs> fighting lots of animals. Uh, but clearly, a lot of people like Aaron really connected to the larger spiritual journey of Cal and the messages of uh, his master, Jero Tapal. Uh, and I really really love to hear uh trying to just take those messages into your life like Aaron did to just to beat a game you know it sounds simple but like you know that that's like the height of the power of what Star Wars can be is to take all of this deep philosophy and just rechannel it to literally I'm trying this thing again and again. I'm getting more and more angry. I'm getting more and more frustrated. I can literally feel my limbs tightening up. What is the opposite of that? And just taking a deep breath, trying to be as loose as possible and approaching it from a new way and having that work. And it, it's awesome that Aaron had this experience uh, channeling uh, the master of somebody he related to uh, to beat a different Star Wars video game. But it's one of those things you can bring into real life, uh, you know, and, and that really resonates to me. I've talked a lot about uh, some of my early appreciation of the teachings of the Force was just literally getting myself to uh, just stop clenching when I'm playing the drums and, and feel mm-hmm. and be more intuitive. So I really relate to that, and I think it's really, really powerful. Going on instinct. Yeah, great stuff here. Great stuff about... Um, the ginger thing, you know, uh, uh, dating a redhead, it's something that you, uh, I, I never really thought. And this is, and this is the thing when you open yourself up, uh, to just friends and other people in your life who have different journeys, uh, you will be surprised what you weren't aware of <laughs> on your journey, which is your own unique journey too, to be clear. Um, so I understand that one a lot. She has that reaction, uh, too, but beyond that, that, that it wasn't, it wasn't that uh, Aaron immediately was like, oh, great, a redhead, I, I, I'm represented, but just that, that it, it had merit, it had ma- value, and the character brought something because, you know, uh, you know, if, if you look like, uh, well, Hux, you know, uh, you know, jokes aside, Joseph, you get, you get some people like, you look like Hux. Well, great, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't see myself in Hux. Um, that, that Star Wars always goes beyond the surface, and so the story of Cal Kestis, and you're right, the Jedi Fallen Order story um, it's pretty powerful and, and, and is connected with a lot of people and moved and inspired a lot of people. And that causes me to want to go back and uh, maybe not to play the game because I will fall off a lot of ledges and, and uh, lose my cool. And I don't want that. That's not the Jedi way. But to really study the story, uh, the, the trauma, the, how you, where you come from, how you deal with things, and, and, and then the, the lessons, the, the timeless lessons of the Jedi. It also speaks to me, just Star Wars, George's, you know, many levels, many things to his his genius. And by the way, many levels to the genius of the people that built this with him, right? Let's yeah. not forget that. Um, but George did with some of the the 
philosophy and the mysticism and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it really, it's real, it's real world stuff. And that's, that's the goal at the end of the day, this myth we always talk about. And this is the example of when it works, when you're smashing buttons on a video game, <laughs> it's going to come back later to help you when you least expect it there. So great stuff, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. I loved your saying, uh, because obviously a lot of ideas from Star Wars, a lot of the philosophy, a lot of the forces, it's drawn from real world philosophy, right? But there is a power to it being packaged in this, you know, fun, entertaining, whiz bang, uh, galaxy that is about fun and about escapism about playing video games and it kind of it sneaks up on you in this really beautiful way and is there for you uh, in sometimes when you really need it when you don't realize you're going to need it and there it is and that's uh, really awesome that star wars can do that yeah. uh, so we're going to move on our next entry is from uh one of our patrons who goes by the name jedi scout here is what jedi scout has to say my most relatable character in Star Wars is Hazram Namir from the book Battlefront colon Twilight Company. I grew up with a highly spiritual worldview, and I thought I knew everything worth knowing. When I was in my 20s, my foundations crumbled, and I succumbed to a cynical, materialistic philosophy, seeing no objective reality around me beyond the random movements of impersonal and uncaring atoms. This is a similar state of mind to Namir's when we meet him in Twilight Company. Namir is courageous, loyal, and competent, but he sees no deeper meaning to the rebellion against the empire that he has joined. Having grown up a child soldier in a pawn of hypocritical religious zealots, he joins Twilight Company merely because it appears to be the best jumping off point after his most recent army is decimated. Namir believes in nothing. He sees the commander of Twilight, Captain Mika Howling Mad Evan, or Howell for short, is a half-insane fanatic does not understand the basis for Howell's earnest belief in the rebel cause, nor does he understand the reverence and devotion Howell commands from the rest of Twilight that appears to magically hold Twilight together no matter how many casualties or hardships they suffer. Over the course of the story, perhaps my favorite of all Star Wars stories and a true masterpiece from Alexander Freed, Namir discovers the magic behind the belief. He learns that there is more to life than mere flesh, and there is more to the universe than mere atoms. The world is not made up of matter, it is made up of what matters. The transformation this causes in Namir's thoughts, decisions, and actions shocks even himself. This is the same course my own life has taken, from prideful zealot to desperate skeptic, from desperate skeptic to humble believer. In the end, Hazram Namir becomes the practical and spiritual leader that Twilight Company needs. This is what I strive to be for my family, friends, and coworkers as well. When I see myself veer towards cynicism, or when I see it in those around me, I think about Hazram Namir, his character and his journey inspire me, as Qui-Gon would say, to turn toward the light. Great oh, yeah. thoughts, Jedi Scout. Thank you so much. And Jedi Scout has been a great supporter of the book Battlefront Twilight Company. Uh, we will read it one of these days. Ken, right? It is a battle against time. But some at some point we will uh, prioritize Battlefront Twilight Company and we, I think we will probably be just as big of fans as Jedi Scout. What are your thoughts on on his uh, point of view here? I think this is great. Number one, regarding that book, yeah, it just slipped through uh, the cracks back in the day reading it. And I did try to order it recently. I could only find a paperback edition, and that would just make my shelf look weird. So I'm waiting to get a hardback <laughs> edition because I do want to read it. I love Alexander Fried's stuff. So, yeah, that aside, uh there's something in here again uh, about wh who you are and, and what you are and how it can change and how it can, uh, how it can change when you allow yourself to go on that journey. And I think there's a lot of that in star Wars and a lot of learning 
you know, that's what matters versus the matter. All those kind of things are real powerful and all through Star Wars. But the journey you hear, we talk often about the journey, the the journey, the hero's journey, uh, the journey, the character, the arc, all those kind of things. It's, it's really important to Star Wars, but how it I think applies to us in the real world to, to hear Jedi Scout's story of just like, I, I was one way and I was pretty damn sure of what that was and who it was. And then things changed and I wasn't happy with where I was going. I wasn't happy with what I'd become. And you and I talk often, we talked again on the news show this past week of, of, of destiny and Star Wars being about uh, the choices in front of you and you coming to this point. And I, I think you have the choice to dig deeper, to get involved, to change, to redeem yourself, to grow, to learn information changes, points of view changes. Um, Gosh, I can't, I always say who I was when I moved to LA at 22, I can't, don't even know that person anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I still like the same foods and there's a lot, you know, obviously you are who you are in some sense. I get that, but who I am, the experiences that changed because of what happened to me from that point on and allowing that to happen. It seems like without knowing this story intimately as Jedi Scott does, it seems to me that some of the stuff that I see going on there, you show up, you have some points of view and then people and things in your life slowly start to change it. And that's part of the star Wars story. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think all really well said stuff. I really relate to, uh, the journey that Jedi scout is describing. Uh, I, I think I generally tend a little bit, uh, toward optimism. Uh, mm-hmm. but I also, you know, had a lot of experiences, uh, when I was young, that weren't great. I, you know, read some stuff that I really um, I- admire. Uh, huge fan of Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut's novels are extremely funny and extremely um, hopeful, but also really wrestling with like this is the sad reality of of how how just crappy to one another humans can be, and sometimes how how frustrating it is to try to change systems or behaviors where we hurt one another and there's like great comedy in it and there's great sadness in it so i can't say that that brought me to like a point of nihilism but i think maybe me reading those at a really uh, young age and not entirely understanding them had got me to this point early on where if i'm talking to friends it's all optimism it's all oh i think that'll work out uh but in my heart of hearts there was a little bit of acceptance of like yeah you know a lot of things suck and a lot of times there's not a reason for anything and it just, just sucks. So what are you going to do? Um, and it's taken me a long time to get, uh, to go on this journey that Jedi Scott is describing for both, uh, Hazram Namir and himself to get back to kind of, you know, without hyperbole, choosing the light, choosing to say that, yeah, things are bad, but that is, or they can be bad. Uh, but that, is not a reason to keep uh, that is the reason to keep fighting uh for mm-hmm. the light you know and to not stop at that like yep that's a bad thing then this other person did a bad thing i guess we just do cycles of bad things i guess we're all hypocrites and right. that's realism and that's being you know uh you know hardened to the real world and knowing what's really going on and yep i think i think there's absolutely philosophically uh you know a a a power to that of you have to be honest about what's going on. But for myself and for my own journey saying, okay, but I can't stop at that. I can't stop and just say, well, the, these, this list of things and this list of systems and this list of people suck. Uh, but instead go, okay, well, I gotta have hope. 
I got to not not have blind optimism. I have to have the hope that things can be better. So with that hope, maybe things could be better because of that hope. Um, so that's a little bit of uh, my journey. I know, Ken, that you grew up with a lot of faith. Did When you first came to L.A. in your 20s and you're talking about that that different version of you, did you get to a point where you lost hope where you where you were kind of uh, in that place of realism slash nihilism of what are you going to do these things suck yeah there's a little little bit yeah I, I, I came from a small town but just so my 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 faith in the spiritual side of myself has never really left me but how i view it how i interact with it has changed uh one of them changed when a friend of mine i was just i just she just it's like you're 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 in constant communication with god you don't need to uh Bow, uh, you know, folding your hands and bowing your knees, uh, bowing on your knees is, is it's not going to add to it, <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of old tradition. I'm not here to make comments on, on old uh, traditions and ways to do things, but it just changed my, it, it became more about the force. It became about, it is constant. It is there and connect with it. So, but when I moved here to, to your question more specifically, I, I was, I guess I, I guess, I guess I just didn't realize I was constantly surrounded by friends with not similar views, but just, we all kind of just went through life having similar experiences in a, in a town, in a small town, kind of all, all similar lives. And then you hit to LA and it's just like, you know, and I'm not saying everyone needs to move to the big city, but it just, my certain things, I was like, no fist on table. This is the way it is. I couldn't say that. I couldn't do it because there was a human being in front of me. Uh, and that I'm a good person and had that believe in good person, but the, being a good person is so much bigger than just what you do on a daily basis, I guess, connecting to the the bigger part of humanity. So I've always had that kind of hopefulness um, in the face of, though I am a rather by reputation, grumpy and cynical, uh, you know, satire based comic and everything. But a lot of it's about myself. I point the fingers at myself and the human condition. And I always say, you have to allow for humans to be humans, uh, foibles and all. Um, so yeah, but that's the stuff that started to change. And I got to imagine again, uh, so excited to read twilight company, but this character here, uh, uh, Namir, uh, has, has Ram Namir shows up, uh, and is now surrounded by members of a, of a, of a, of a company of soldiers that come from different parts of the galaxy, different experiences and how you interact with them is, is important and it's key and it will change you. And so to see that represented in the Star Wars story on the boots on the ground level is interesting and exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. Really powerful stuff. Thank you uh, for sharing your journey and uh, for doing another great plug for <laughs> Battlefront Twilight Company. I got that paperback on my shelf that doesn't match my hardcover, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Brave man. See? There you go. You're changing my worldview, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's sometimes when books don't match that it's unacceptable to me. But this one, this one, I'm gonna just uh, take a deep okay. breath and accept that the force okay. has great variety in book styles. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, let's move on. Are you ready uh, for the next one, Ken? I am. Though I will say, I have a paper paperback uh, copy of A New Dawn for I got from Comic Con 2014, and I stare at that daily. <laughs> I stare at it daily. <laughs> I need paperback amongst those giant hardbacks. Anyways, <laughs> I'll work on that, my friends. I'll work. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're going to quite a, a question, not question. Point of view four comes from our friend Alden Diaz of Octo Radio. He writes, the world of Star Wars is so rich with so many beautiful characters, but I'm going with Sabine Wren. Sabine, to me, represents so many themes that are central to Star Wars, several concepts that she uniquely brings to the story and many triumphs and struggles that I identify with. On the first level, I've always, I always loved Sabine because she's the character who really took her personal passion and hobby and injected it into her work. Do what you love, I say. Uh, <laughs> Alan uh, writes, from the very first poster for the first season of Rebels, she just captured me. She just as much a, just as an artist as she is a warrior. And while I'm not a visual artist, I do have my own hobbies and passions that I try to bring to all my professional endeavors, be it writing, hosting, theater stuff, etc. So I always identified with the way that her life as a rebel served as fuel for her art. It was a cycle. She always focused on what made her happy. That's one thing I do find pride in within myself. I refuse to ever lose my small joys, just like Sabine. But on a deeper level, she's a character who's always growing. And I think that, uh, that the core element of said growth is her gradual self-forgiveness for her failures, mistakes, and burn bridges, and more. She's a mixture of the redemption story template and the coming-of-age template. I, I know that in my heart and mind, self-forgiveness can be very difficult. I often obsess over my failures. I replay conversations in my head. I overanalyze every move I make because I don't want to revert back to what I perceive as a worse version of myself. And I think we see a ton of that with Sabine. She wants to be the person that she chooses to be, but she feels haunted by her mistakes at the Imperial Academy, her mistakes with her family, and her general status as an outcast. But she ultimately learns that it just takes steps. It takes time. It takes honesty in a moment to name your problems out loud for yourself, which she exhibit, exhibits in Trials of the Darksaber. She uh, shows that what you can't uh, that you can't let it define you. Sorry, I always loved her, but that episode is when I realized that I saw myself in her. The steps I've taken in my life over the last few years of mental health, creativity, and more feel reflected in her self actualization across seasons three and four. Of course, I've never developed a weapon to take out my own people, but you know, all problems are valid. So <laughs> I guess it isn't as much as a, of a Sabine is just like me situation, but the more so that I think Sabine and I are both headed down the same road and we'll both get there. Now, as, uh, as far as the impact on my fandom, there are many ways she's become core to my Star Wars love. I collect Sabine toys, apparel, etc. She's made me appreciate the Mandalorian culture so much more. She truly set me up for an amazing experience with any uh, other characters like Din Djarin and Bo-Katan. 
She was my eyes into their world, and now I dream of making Amanda Armour cosplay inspired by her. But the biggest thing is that I actually have a tattoo on my right arm of her final final helmet from Rebels, seen in the epilogue scene with Ahsoka. It means so much to me as it's symbolic of the aforementioned personal growth and of the cliffhangers in our life, the promise of new chapters. I saw that scene when I was in a dark time. It was her moment with her new mission that made me say, oh, yeah, I remember how to carry on. And also, we can... Can we please get it as one of those Black Series helmets? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. On a related note, Alden writes, I've had the pleasure of meeting Tia Sakar. She is a delightful person. Thanks. Oh, a lot of great stuff in there, Alden. A lot of stuff. Oh, I love this, Joseph. Just the idea of uh, what you were dying talking about. It. Sometimes it is just a real simple, visceral, that person looks like me, acts like me, and they feel like me. I want to look like, and, and I've met, uh, you know, Alden digitally. You know, he and Sabine. Don't necessarily look like each other, um, but to see the journey and that they're on the same path, that's really powerful to me. And I love what Alden's talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it is uh, great that we can all see ourselves in any character that we want, as well as having these uh, visceral connections that we're talking about. And yeah, I, I really like what Alden's saying about Sabine. I think that's a great insight uh, that this is a, a redemption story and a coming of age story. And it sneaks up on you. And I think a really great way because, you know, rebels Ezra is so obviously the person beginning that very traditional star Wars journey, that very traditional coming of age journey. And, we know Sabine is his same age, but she seems a little bit more settled. And then as we get to know her more and more, we realize how much that she's been going through and this great trauma from her past. Uh, so I think that's just a great insight that she is one of those characters who reminds us that uh, many of us are coming of age <laughs> at different times. Mm -hmm. And many of us are going through those sort of uh, coming of age or redemption battles with ourselves, even if, from the outside to others, we look like we're really settled and we know uh, who we are and the path that we're on that we might still be wrestling with those kind of things. Um, I think that's all great. And then the art thing, the art thing I, I really relate to really speaks to me. I've got a background as a visual artist. It was kind of my first creative love. Got my uh, college degree in visual art, drawing and painting. It's not been something that I've been able to keep up with. Uh, a lot in life, but I always really kind of light up when I see it represented on screen. And wow, what a great way to just, there, there was so much about Rebels that is absolutely, utterly pure, great storytelling. And that is clear because people have responded to it so powerfully. But also when it was first coming out, that first Disney thing is like, well, don't worry, here's some X-Wings. Don't worry, here's some Stormtroopers. Don't worry, there's a Mandalorian. Like there was a lot that was like, we're going to give you some stuff that we know you like. And uh, Sabine was such a great twist on that to say, yeah, it's a Mandalorian, but not going to be like a gruff says two words Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Be somebody just full of life that their armor is exploding with color is a great twist on what we had known of uh, Mandalorian Mandalorians before that. And just such a great contrast from the Empire. You know, what does the Empire stand for? It stands for uh, rigidity. It stands for you know, black and white and then sometimes, you know, drab green. That Those are the colors of the Empire period. Or red, if we want to be really scary. Uh, and to have just flowing, organic explosions of color and expression, uh, that just makes Sabine, like, it, it, well, she's not the poster child for the Rebellion. She's making the posters for the Rebellion. Yeah. And I think that's great. 
Yeah, uh, this this uh, I'll tell you. you t- he, Alden talks about trials of the dark saber. So I, I would say when I was putting together uh, the, the the book there, uh, why we love Star Wars, like I, I wanted to include that moment. I, I just I just knew I liked. It. I liked that episode right in the back of my head. I was like, oh yeah yeah yeah, write that write that down. That's a moment. I'll, I'll make that fun. And I go back to research the episode, and I was moved. I was moved so much for what that episode means. And by the way, there's no timetable on coming of age. That's that's the trick. It's, if you're <laughs> and you're young. And you're out there doing your TikToks and your everything. There's no timetable. Come, you can continue to come of age. You can come of age and then come and come of age again. And Kanan goes through that. That's why this episode's so powerful. I don't want to turn the conversation to Kanan, but but as, as, as him facing who he was and, and can he teach? There's he's working through so much stuff. At the same time, it isn't just like all right, cool. Hey, Sabine, that, that this, this dark saber. It's, it's it's important for your people. You got it right. You're you're a child of destiny. Pull Excalibur out of the sword. She breaks down, and, and again, Tisa Carr, just as an actor, as a, as a voice actor in this moment, so great. She breaks down, and it's tough, and it's trauma. And when you learn the whole picture of what she goes through, and you said it, going back to episode one of, of Rebels, watching it in 2014, going, eh, I, I mean, I like this. I like this. It seems like a kid's show. All right. Flash forward three seasons <laughs> later, and, and, and someone is dealing with high-level trauma, high-level mistakes, uh, running from family and friends for uh, understandable reasons, but how do you confront it and how do you grow? And and it's all in in the form of a a lightsaber put in the palm of your hand. Take it. It must be yours. It is yours. You you deserve this. Can you earn it? And knowing that in your heart you don't feel you you do it all and and to grow past it and, and the tears and the pain and the anguish that Sabine goes through that moment, it is... Alden said it so well. It is redemption and coming of age. Those two templates merged together. It's a great episode. And again, uh, um, no shock from Alden. He's he's uh, and I, I I see I see Alden's uh, grip on his small joys and every uh, every day his everyday social media presence. He's someone who's plugged into the big picture uh, and fighting the good fights, but is also like cool. And here's this figure I love, and that's important. <laughs> that keeps that's a mental health. Uh, and all that, uh, to have a lot of that connect to Sabine. That's some great stuff. And the thing I always say about Sabine, all the great lessons, I still, she's got one of the, give me those answers parts of Star Wars. I still want to know why she was painting that picture of Cad Bane. I want to know that story. <laughs> yeah. Conversation. I still want that little detail revealed. Oh, yeah. Maybe she just thought the hat was cool, right? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great mystery uh thank you alden so much great stuff as always we're going to move on to our fifth and final point of view for this episode it comes from andrew McNabb. andrew says back in the days when both the internet and i were a little bit younger i filled my free time by taking countless which star wars character are you quizzes to my delight i would normally end up with luke leia or han in my naivete, it never occurred to me until later that those were probably the only three outcomes in the quiz. So after some reflection and soul-searching, I came to the conclusion that I most relate to C-3PO. Initially, <laughs> I was heartbroken. <laughs> Devastated. But then I dug a little deeper and asked how and why, and I came to this conclusion. I have always preferred to go into a situation knowing all the possible outcomes. I would never go as far as calculating odds, but I've always wanted to tell myself and anyone around me what is most likely to happen. It's always given me reassurance and provided a safety net. It prepares me for disappointment because I always thought, "Mm, that might happen, 
I learned many positive lessons from my wonderful father, but due to his own background, I also learned 3PO-esque pessimism. Mm. If something could go wrong, it probably would. I came to expect it. Sometimes I guess that helped because I could be prepared. But other times it almost became a self-fulfilling prophecy and I found myself looking for problems. Despite 99% of something going well, it was all about that 1%. See, I told you things were going to be wrong. In my early 20s, my friends and I decided it would be awesome to go on a Euro trip. The plan was to tour France, Netherlands, Luxembourg, and Belgium. I went into the trip with the attitude of wanting to know how long we were staying in each city, where we were staying, how long the walks was from the hostel to the subway station, where can I buy breakfast in the morning. My friends went into it with the attitude of crashing at the first hostel they could find, hanging at the bar for however many days, and then deciding how, where, and when to go next. Despite my pleading, I was unfortunately outnumbered, and after spending a few days scrambling around strange cities with a headache, I got out of bed one morning, decided I'd had enough, jumped in a taxi to the airport, and flew home, having visited one country, six hostels, and 60 bars. <laughs> <laughs> I am not saying one attitude was wrong and one was right, but the clash of approaches typified why sometimes I was the odd one out in my circle of friends. I prefer the control and organization of a well-prepared oil bath to running blindly around a corner waving a blaster. Sometimes I would love to have the bold, spontaneous nature of a Han Solo. But to be honest, I think I would spend the whole time worried about what's going to happen and how it's going to mean certain destruction for me and my loved ones. I mentioned that the realization that C-3PO is the character who I most identify with was initially a little disheartening. Uh, why couldn't I be swashbuckling? But on reflecting upon the reasons and the similar personality traits, I wouldn't change anything. I like those things about myself, and I like them about C-3PO. He may come across as fussy, moany, and rude, but there's no doubting that at the end of the day, he just wants everyone to be safe and happy. He often finds himself surrounded by things he cannot control. Fires both metaphorical and sometimes literal. The best way to stop a fire is to try and make sure it doesn't happen in the first place, and that is what I feel both I and C-3PO have in common. Throughout the Skywalker saga, 3PO didn't clamp himself down and stop uh, flagging up the dangers and the doom, even with the verbal and physical berating he took time after time. He was true to himself and his purpose and his abilities, and watching the rise of Skywalker and the validation he finally received for knowing the odds better than anyone was a wonderful experience and has had a big impact. It showed me, and I'm sure many others, that there may be a part of us that will grate on others. But if that part of us comes from a place of wanting to avoid harm, sadness, or fear, then why try and change it? There may come a time and a place and a situation wherein it will be the most important thing in the world. That much maligned aspect of our personality could one day save the galaxy. In the time since finding out the results of my own personal Which Star Wars Character Are You quiz, I have started to take my first steps into a larger world. I have countless pieces of Star Wars clothing, but I now have my first ever C-3PO-themed sweater. I will wear it with pride and honor, and I will never stop telling people the odds. Please don't share any of this with Anthony Daniels. He'll probably take credit for my entire existence, and I'll owe him some sort of life debt. Thank you, and thank the maker. P.S. I also went through a phase a while back when I would send all my friends a different pun each and every day. It lasted about a month, and then it became such a drag. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew, for the stories, for the insights, and for quoting 3PO's most outrageous pun from Attack of the Clones. That's great. 
Uh, Ken, what are your reactions to that? There's so many great thoughts, both the real world and Star Wars in Andrew's point of view. Uh, what did you gravitate toward? Look, I got he jokes about not sharing this with Anthony Daniels. I was literally like someone tweet Anthony Daniels this this, this feature. <laughs> um, because it's it's this is this I'll tell you something. This is the best stuff I've ever heard of C3PO in all my Star Wars life. I, I gotta tell you that. I gotta tell you that, Andrew. I was moved by what you're saying. And by the way, I'm Han to everyone's 3PO. I am the one, it drives me crazy, and I drive other people crazy. And uh, you know, even even in my own home right now, <laughs> I am the I don't know. <laughs> We'll land the ship on the ground. We'll figure, don't worry about it. it, it we'll, don't tell me the odds. I don't care. We're going to figure it out. If we're not dead, we're trying. We're living. We're good. Uh, and I know that drives other people crazy. And I don't, sometimes, it's not I don't get along with 3PS. It's just sometimes it's like, look, do, do your charts and graphs. Tell me when we land. We'll be all right. But I'm moved by this. I'm connected by this because it also really reminds me just in terms of, of a Star Wars moment. We got some, you and I have talked about it. There's just wonderful stuff. I, I I will say, I think the best 3PO stuff might be in The Rise of Skywalker. I still say New Hope did, just set it up. There's just some golden stuff in Empire. I love the the, the treatment of him as a god in, in Return of the Jedi. I grew up with, that's 3PO I grew up with. But I think Rise of Skywalker really, really pays homage to the character and gives him, gives him just a, 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 just a big, big redemption moment for a lot of treatment <laughs> throughout the trilogies. A lot of people tell him to shut up and turn it him off. And, and, and Han being the leader of that golden rod. All right. That moment with Ray is beautiful. Because mm -hmm. the trailer moment of I'm looking at my friends moved a lot of people. And that's a great moment but for Ray. And it's such, it's such a, a victory moment for Ray. The, the character who, who fixes BB-8's antenna. And that's the first thing we see of her. And she responds to BB-8's, uh, beeps for help, you know, for her to recognize that is powerful for Ray, but for three people to have that in the moment and it has world galaxy changing aspects to it and, and importance to it. It's so beautiful. And, and I love, I love the highlight here. And I love that. Yes. Uh, who you are and realizing that, Hey, sometimes maybe I hurt my own self with my charts and graphs life as I kind of joke. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's things about it, but to know that, you have a part to play too. Going back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, uh, and some of the stuff in the news this week, uh, we were talking about. Uh, we all have a part to play, but uh, we all have value, and that's why uh, this this is the show you do, Joseph, and we have her in the feed. is It's so interesting and, and empower, powerful to me. Uh, Andrew's tale of being moved by C three PO has has moved me and affected me, uh, and I love it. And Andrew, thank you so much. Yeah, there's a lot of great things that you pulled out there, Ken, and just so much great in what Andrew shared. I really like that Rise of Skywalker moment because all the Rise of Skywalker stuff, because we get to see 3PO just trying to do his job. He's trying to tell people about the uh, Festival of Ancestors and the colorful kites and the delectable sweets. And he sounds like he has such joy in it. Right. And he's just he's just yeah. being him. Right. You know, and I love this idea that, yeah, 3PO is a planner. And sometimes being a planner can lead you, like Andrew was talking about, to you want to think through everything. And it, and the best version of that, it means you realize, not, hey, that's not the route to go. We would have been in trouble if we went that route. And then the, the dark side of that is you start to convince yourself, well, the best thing to do is just stay here. Uh, so we see 3PO do that sometimes. I'm like, well, every path before us is uh, very dangerous, so uh, let's just not. But what Rise of Skywalker gives us is that's not the whole picture. He's not a coward. 
he's just somebody who does worry about his friends and takes the time to know the probability. And when Ray so kindly just goes, well, you know the odds, right? And you know that we don't have any good options. And this really scary option is the only one we've got, so we should maybe take it, right? 3PO's response is, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it, he, he, it's not that he doesn't actually want to do what he needs to do to, to help people or be a part of things. It's that he worries, and there, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, I love the, the human story that Andrew is telling in relation to 3PO, that just the strength of that to, to leave that trip, to go, yeah, I know that's kind of what the world would promote is like, yeah, no plans, a different bar every night. Maybe we'll never leave this one country. Uh, and a lot of people go, yeah, that's cool. And the strength to go, yeah, no value judgment. That's not for me. The strength of knowing yourself to go, yeah, nope, that's not for me. I absolutely love that. Um, in, in in terms of kind of relating some of these lessons back to larger Star Wars, the, the thing that it's got me to think about too is we talk a lot about uh, how, how Star Wars encourages uh, intuition and, and following your gut and all that. And I think that is really, really important. But when you think of like some of the heroes we really like, mastery is important too. And, and that's what 3PO has. He has utter mastery of uh, facts and knowledge and probability. Um, and when you think about Leia and Padme, we like those characters because they stay true to themselves and they follow their gut, but they also do their homework. They know everything about politics and the galaxy and strategy. And we love the Jedi because they take a, take a deep breath and listen to their force and follow their instincts. But they also train and train and train and get mastery. It's not just like, uh, hey, kid, uh, you got the force. Here's a lightsaber. Go fight a Sith Lord. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> like, they train too. And I think 3PO so represents that half of of what star wars offers is this balance between mastery and precision and doing your homework and then knowing the moment where you should trust yourself trust your gut and just let it all go you prepared for this moment and now you can face it and in 3PO really holds up that mastery precision do your homework side of things yeah gosh 3PO getting his due. I love it. Yeah, yeah. 3PO absolutely getting his due. And you know what? This has also made me just reconsider that maybe some of the just straightforward puns that 3PO is saying are things that, like, hmm. that's just a part of his, a quirk of his programming, that he likes puns. That's how he deals with stress. Hmm. <laughs> and then yes. he's making these jokes on purpose. Hmm. Uh, that's going to be some of my 3PO headcanon now. <laughs> Well, I think this is all great storytelling, Andrew. Uh, the only thing that can maybe make it better is to see 3PO himself uh, telling this story to some Ewoks. Uh, great point of view. Ken, do you have any final thoughts on Andrew's story or any of the other points of views that we've uh, heard this episode? I love this stuff. You know, this, is, uh, this isn't the, the philosophy of Star Wars, the heart of Star Wars, and how we take it off the screens and into our lives. And I love hearing all the perspectives and journeys. 
Yeah, and, and thank you to those of you who uh, who took the time to share. I think the prompt of most relatable character in Star Wars is one that uh, uh, probably went a little a little deep, uh, and people really shared some very honest, some very real things with us, and we really, really appreciate that. Uh, in the past, we've been doing things like favorite lightsabers and favorite bounty hunters, and people have made the choice to share really honest things. Uh, there's some things that, that people have shared that have just really deeply affected me and that I've really carried with me and and you know i have shared with other people to say hey you know remember that we all have a different perspective and this is what this movie or this character means to someone and and i don't know that because it's just a theory it's because somebody took the time to type it out and share their real life with me and i and i get to carry that with me and i really really appreciate everyone uh being uh not being a part of this show, basically being this show. Thank you to listeners for being this show. And we're going to try to do more. We're going to try to have more of favorite points of view. We're going to ask you about different things you like in Star Wars, from the big and emotional to the uh, small or sometimes even to the silly and really celebrate all these different points of view. Uh, For now, we're going to wrap up. Ken, where can people find you and your other adventures? Yeah, go to catnapsuck.com. Everything is there. Check the shows and events tab right now. Uh, getting ready for a, a live show, a live presentation of Mark Riley's uh, Star Wars show, Riley's Cantina, October 10th, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll be live at El Cid on Sunset Strip with some special guests, including Joseph Scrimshaw and more to be announced. Uh, but uh, you can be home watching it safely anywhere in the world. Go to, uh, like I said, uh, catnapsuck.com. Go to the events tab to buy tickets today. Excellent. And you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, uh, my comedy albums and other shows, both uh, digital and someday live again. All that information is on josephscrimshaw.com. You can, of course, like Four Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Four Center Pod and check out some merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Four Center. As always, we've got more plans uh, turning for uh, Patreon and hopefully some more fun stuff coming. And to close us out, let me just say thank you once again for sharing your points of view. Thank you for listening. And as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, another happy landing.